25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbat Shalom 
ברגעים של גילה, רוממות של תפילה, שמחתם של חתן של כלה. בליבו הודיה וניגון בליבה, לב שניהם עם אותו פעימה.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday morning broadcast. Let's see, last Friday was Isru Chag outside of Israel. It was um, just a couple of days after Yom Tov had ended in Israel. Everybody was in the switching back, changing over, <laughs> all the different terms used <laughs> when, the, when the Pesach dishes have to go away and all the chametz comes out. 
And here we are a week later after an amazing week here at JM&M and the Nahum Single Network, and I thank all of you for tuning in. A lot of great guests this week, an amazing Yom HaShoah commemoration on the Tuesday. And to get set, because this coming Tuesday is Yom HaZikaron, Israel Memorial Day, and we'll try to give everybody a feeling of what it's like in Israel uh, during a day like that. And, of course, Wednesday we celebrate 75 years of the State of Israel, our Yom HaTzmut special this coming Wednesday morning right here at JM in the AM. It is a Friday on this 21st of April, day 30 in the month of ER, excuse me, day 30 in the month of Nisan. Uh, today is Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh ER day number one. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including half Hallel, Yalav Yavo, Musaf, Baruch special Torah reading, and whatever your custom calls for on a Rosh Chodesh morning again. Today is the first day of a two-day Rosh Chodesh, officially the 30th day in the month of Nisan. Get set for a Shabbos Rosh Chodesh tomorrow with two Torahs and uh, Atayatzarta, Hallel, of course, half Hallel, all included tomorrow in a special Shabbos morning davening. Candle lighting time in New York, 721. 721 candle lighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. As we get set for, uh, well, as we observe Rosh Chodesh today and get set for Shabbos Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Today is day number 15 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 15. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Again, today is day number 15 in the counting of the Omer. Um, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin are going to be joining us. Also, Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is in town. We'll have a chance to speak with him. I have a feeling he's going to join us. Um, I, I have a feeling he's going to join us this coming week as well as we commemorate Yom HaZikaron and Yom, Yush, and Yom HaTzmaut. I have a feeling he'll be joining us from Israel. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll speak to him just after 8.30 this morning. Make sure to be tuned in because there's a lot going on in Israel and he'll be able to brief us on what type of week ahead uh, there will be. Uh, Malcolm Holmline expected. He's executive, excuse me, he's vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Again, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Ruthie, Joel, Hattie, and Avery Simon in Riverdale wish us a good Shabbos, <coughs> excuse me, a good Shabbos and a Chodesh Tov. Thank you. And uh, how do we know? Because they just posted that on our uh, NSN app. And I thank them for that. Oh, someone asked at 8.24 last night, Eastern Time on the app, somebody asked about the Erev Shabbos show. The Erev Shabbos show is on hiatus. I believe it's an annual tradition, right? Doesn't Mark uh, um, put the Erev Shabbos show on hiatus every middle part of Sphera? So the next Erev Shabbos show, please God, will be May the 11th, I believe it is. May the 11th is that Thursday after uh, Lagba Omer. May 11th, the Thursday after Lagba Omer will be the um, uh, next Erev Shabbos show, uh, please God. I uh, want to take this out. Speaking of Mark Zamek, <laughs> he hit us with some amazing and incredible news last night. Um, 
yet another JM in the AM Simcha. A Mazel Tov going out to um, Miri Lovett and Tuvia Zamik. They are a very recently engaged couple. It happened yesterday. Uh, we got the notice. Um, must have been must have been like seven o'clock last night or so in that area. And of course, to uh, Rabbi Baruch and Chaya Lovett, and of course, of course, to our dear friends, JM and the AM Nachum Siegel Network Backbone, Rochelle and Mark Zamek, a very, very special Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Miri and Tuvia are engaged. Um, Tuvia, who for many years we knew as Adam, and we know since the day he was born. And uh, makes the Simcha extra special when uh, longtime friends are celebrating such a wonderful occasion. So again, to the Lovett and Zamek families, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, I will also extend the Mazal Tov to um, the prior generation in Mark and Rochelle's families. Um, all the uh, all the grandparents that are celebrating. Uh, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So that is wonderful news that we got last night. And um, just fantastic. Baruch Hashem. Really fantastic. And Bezrat Hashem, at some point in the next few months, the wedding will take place. And we'll have a chance to all celebrate together. JM in the AM, Friday morning broadcast. So listener Terry, who is... uh, I mean, listener Terry has been such an amazing friend... For so many years, can't even begin to tell you um, how long. <laughs> it's been a very, very long time. And the listener, Terry, uh, has become an incredible friend of our family and of this network. And uh, listener, Terry, was was there uh, on the Sunday night before um, Pesach to celebrate with us, Yoshua and Tamima's wedding, which was really cool as well. And um, and listener Terry sent me the following note. Um, remember, Terry spends the majority of her time in Efrat, Israel, a place very, very dear to us, even though I don't think I've ever slept at night in Efrat in my life, not that I can recall, but it's such an amazing place, and I love it so much. She writes, on April 7th during Pesach, Lucy, Maya, and Rena D. were shot and killed by terrorists. The family's world collapsed in an instant. Together with the D. family, we're launching a triple commemoration project in memory of Lucy, Maya, and Rena. The Rena D. Youth Center, Rena was very active as a counselor in the Ezra movement. The Maya D.'s Spring, a Mayan, a spring commemorating Maya's love for nature and water. And the Lucy D. Simcha Hall, an event hall to celebrate community and life events. The family, with the assistance of the Efrat Foundation, launched a crowdfunding campaign to accomplish this goal. Um, Terry, and I'm sure many others, have taken on a fundraising target, and I appreciate your assistance in this important project. And um, obviously, I responded with great enthusiasm to make sure that this campaign is a success, to say the least. So it's a J-Give campaign. I'm going to try to do this so that it's, it's easiest for people to find it, I hope. It is a J-Give campaign, and there are over 200 ambassadors for this campaign, and they have a very lofty goal of $1.8 million, and they've raised close to 200000 already from over 2,500 donors, which is pretty amazing. 
And Terry, of course, has her own page. Um, so I think the easiest way to do this, I hope I'm right, the easiest way to do this is to go to jgive, it's letter J, jgive.com, jgive.com. The campaign is called Commemorating the Members of the D Family, D-E-E, so I'm assuming that if someone searches D Family, they'll find it. And then under Ambassadors, you'll find Terry Calker, T-E-R-R-I-K-A-L-K-E-R, uh, who has taken on a... Um, a goal, as I said, more than uh, 200 people have done that, and um, and you'll be able to find it that way. Now, for those of you who have Facebook, I believe Terry already, if not already, it'll be done, I'm sure, in the next few minutes, uh, Terry is going to be posting on my page on Facebook the uh, info. Oh, it's there already. It is there already. Okay. Um, it says, Nahum Siegel and the Nahum Siegel Network have always made Jews all over the world feel connected to those living in Israel. Never is it more necessary than in these tough times being faced. Please read below and give generously. And then, of course, it has the uh, blurb that I just read. So uh, all you have to do, all you have to do, if you don't want to do all the searching that I just recommended, all you have to do is to go to my Facebook page, Nahum Siegel. That's it, Nahum Siegel, N-A-C-H-U-M. S-E-G-A-L, you'll see it. You'll see the link to uh, Terry's ambassadorship for this campaign for the D family. And just be as generous as possible. That's it. That's all we're asking. And uh, thank you all for participating and for helping to make the campaign a great success. It's Friday. More coming up. It's JM in the AM, 721 Candle Lighting Time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Today is Rosh Chodesh morning. Keep that in mind, especially when it's time for davening, time for tefillah. Keep in mind that it is um, Rosh Chodesh this morning and um, day number 15 in the counting of the Omer, two weeks and one day. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Joey Newcomb.
in the a.m. with Ohad wrapping up the hour. That's called Madua here at J.M. in the a.m. Friday morning broadcast, Erev Shabbos. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. Before Ohad, you heard Baruch Shalom with Hisnari. You heard Joey Newcomb's L'Chaim. Candle lighting at 721. 721 here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Today's day 15, the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Yom Azikaron, Israel Memorial Day coming up on Tuesday. Yom Atzmod, Israel Independence Day number 75 coming up on Wednesday.
Make sure to be tuned in all week long, and of course, to both of those great programs here at JM and the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Happy Rosh Chodesh, good Shabbos, says uh, listener Sandy. She also reminds us that it's Robbie Rosenwasser's birthday today. Hey, Robbie Rosenwasser, happy birthday to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um. Oh, listener B says, love listening to you while eating outside on a lovely Jerusalem afternoon in Baca. Have a fantastic Shabbos. Oh, boy. B is making me jealous. I was just there for a couple of weeks, and I am jealous. It is a great feeling being in, in Israel, especially in Yerushalayim on an Erev Shabbat. Pretty cool indeed. Uh, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin coming up with uh, words about Parsha's uh, Tazria Mitzorah. It's a double Parsha tomorrow. I forgot to mention that. In addition to having two Torahs, one for regular Torah reading and one for Rosh Chodesh, we have a double Parsha, Tazria and Mitzorah, coming up uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, Bahab doesn't start until a week from Monday. For those of you anxious to... <laughs> Anxious to get Bahab underway. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, Erev Shabbos with two Parshios. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will address that. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. He is in the United States. No doubt he'll be in Israel next week, and we'll find out what he could tell us about uh, a very special week in Israel coming up later this uh, program during the 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Galay, it's on the background. Our news from Israel coming up, and of course, plenty more on a Friday era of Shabbos. Today is Rosh Chodesh, all the traditional editions for Rosh Chodesh. Yalav half Hallel, special Torah reading. Musaf Barchinafshi, and whatever your custom calls for, it is a Rosh Chodesh morning, first of a two-day Rosh Chodesh ER. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JM the AM. Galitzal, Shashtaim, Shalom Rav, Aulpan Gainovotni, Im Mashekorech Shav. מרכז השלטון המקומי הגיש היום צו מניעה נגד עיצומי ארגון המורים שמונעים ממרבית תלמידי התיכון את קבלת ציוני המגן, זאת פחות משבוע לפני מבחני הבגרות. כתבתנו לענייני חינוך יובל מילר מציינת כי משרד החינוך פנה בימים האחרונים למרכז השלטון המקומי בבקשה להצטרף אליו להגשת צו המניעה. במקביל, הנהגת ההורים הארצית צפויה לעתור לבגץ בשבוע הבא נגד עיצומי הארגון. השרה מאי גולן הודיעה שלא תגיע לבית העלמין הצבאי בראשון לציון ביום הזיכרון. השרה גולן כתבה בחשבון הטוויטר שלה, בימים אלו אני נמצאת במסע הסברה חשוב למען עם ישראל במספר מדינות בארצות הברית, ולכן לא אצליח לצערי לייצג את הממשלה באחד מבתי העלמין. צר לי על הדמגוגיה שהתקשורת עושה בעניין, כך השרה גולן. כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין מזכיר כי היום, במהלך תדרוך של משרד החוץ בארצות הברית, גינה דובר מחלקת המדינה אמירות פוגעניות שצוטטו לכאורה רוכב אופניים חשמליים בן 14 נפצע בינוני לאחר שנפגע מרכב באשקלון. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שצוות מד"א פינה אותו לבית החולים ברזילי בעיר כשהוא סובל מחבלות בראש ובחזה. 
מפקד אוגדה 162, תת-אלוף נדב לוטן, העניק השבוע צל"ש לאחד הלוחמים שפעלו בהיתקלות בצפון השומרון לפני כחצי שנה, שבה נפל סגן מפקד סיירת הנחל, רב סרן בר פלח, זיכרונו לברכה. הלוחם, סמל ראשון י', שירת כקשר של מפקד הסיירת, ולאחר שפלח נפגע מירי המחבלים, הוא זכה לכיוונו במהלך הטיפול הרפואי כדי לחפות עליו. לאחר מספר דקות, י' השיב באש לעבר מחבל נוסף, והחל לפקד על האירוע. בטקס הענקת הצל"ש נאמר כי הוא הפגין מנהיגות ופעל מעל המצופה באירוע מבצעי מורכב. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, דורון קדוש. סגן ראש ממשלת בריטניה ושר המשפטים דומיניק ראב התפטר היום מתפקידו בעקבות חקירה נגדו על התנהגות בריונית. החקירה נפתחה לאחר שהוגשו נגד ראב מספר תלונות על התנהגות לא ראויה. במכתב ההתפטרות כתב ראב כי החקירה דחתה את כל הטענות נגדו מלבד שתיים. מחסור בקוטג' מורגש ברשתות השיווק ברחבי הארץ. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מציינת שמחסור בולט מורגש במחלבה הגדולה ביותר, תנובה, שמשפיע על כל שרשרת האספקה. מתנובה נמסר כי בעקבות ביקוש גבוה מהתחזית, יש מחסור נקודתי שצפוי להסתיים בסוף השבוע הבא. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, היום הטמפרטורות נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, ומחר תחול עלייה בטמפרטורות, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות.
JM in the AM. Shalom Aleichem done by Aish. Uh, before that, the um, uh, the Udi Davidi Ki Eshmerah Shabbat selection here at JM in the AM. Thanks for joining us on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh is Rosh Chodesh ER. Today's day 15, the counting of the Omer. Make sure to count today if you haven't yet. Uh, candle lighting at 721 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Mazal Tov going out to the Azamic family, Rochelle and Mark, and the extended Zamic family, because we know multiple generations of the Zamic family, I'm proud to say. Uh, yesterday it was announced the engagement of Miri Lovett and Tuvia Adam Zamic. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Mazal Tov to Baruch and Chaya Lovett. Of course, to Mark and Rochelle, and as I said, to all the generations of Zomics and the extended family who are tuned in here at JM and the AM. Uh, you know what the Zomic family means to us here. And to Miri and uh, Tuvia Adam, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So that is wonderful news. I called your attention earlier to the special campaign for the D family that's been launched, a J-Give campaign. Listener Terry brought it to our attention. Go to my Facebook page, Nachum Siegel, and you'll see it. Terry posted it. You'll see the links. You could support three amazing causes in one in memory of the D family of Efrat Israel. Again, go to my Facebook page, Nachum Siegel, and you'll see it there. Listener Terry posted it. And to be as generous as possible, let's make it a very very successful campaign, please God. That is our intention, and I certainly hope that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I thank you, of course, for tuning in on a Friday morning broadcast. Harry Rothenberg has something to say regarding this week's Parsha, Tazria Mitzorah. It's actually a double Parsha, plus Rosh Chodesh. Uh, Harry's words are for a Rafur Shlema, dedicated for Rafur Shlema, for our dear friend, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Harry Rothenberg right here at JM in the AM. In order to speed up the games, Major League Baseball introduced a significant rule change this season. There's a pitch clock for the first time. A pitcher has 15 seconds to throw each pitch. 20 seconds if there's a runner on base. And if he doesn't, the umpire has to call a ball. I have a friend who's a rabbi of a congregation. A couple weeks ago, a fellow was called up for an aliyah. And he was taking his time making his way up to the bima. The rabbi counted off 15 seconds in his head and announced, sorry, a Leah clock violation. And he told the gabai to call up someone else. The guy who received the violation protested. He said, rabbi, I didn't know about this new rule. And after some back and forth, the rabbi relented, smiled, and he told the original guy that he could keep his aliyah. But I'm certain that the rabbi got everyone's attention. I'm sure after services at the Kiddush and at home, that's what everyone was talking about. And that is what this week's Parsha is all about, getting our attention. Because we learned the laws of Tsaras, the discoloration that could appear on the walls of a person's house, or on their clothing, or on their skin. It was not a medical issue. It was not leprosy, as it's commonly mistranslated. If it was, the person would go to the doctor, not to a Kohen. Instead, they went to the Kohen, and if the Kohen would say, yes, that is Tsaras, and would pronounce it, the person would have to go outside, into quarantine, all alone. Why? Because this was a divine message, a love tap from God. I love you, but you did something wrong. A person would receive saras in connection with the transgression of certain specific prohibitions, the ones against slander and gossip, typically. So the person allowed in quarantine all alone would have to reflect, do some introspection, think about what they had done wrong and how they could improve. 
before the tzaras would disappear and they could come back and rejoin society. And that's why at times tzaras could even appear in the skin of a young child who obviously didn't do anything wrong and couldn't interpret divine messages. The message was for the parents. Imagine how compelling a message. Seeing a spot on the skin of a young child, a message to the parents from God, think about what you're doing. You have to improve. You're not acting like the right role model for this child that I entrusted to you. Now, these days, we're not on the level to get Saras. Gotta be on a pretty high spiritual level to get a specific, obvious, open message from God. Nowadays, it's tough to suss out when is God sending us a message, what is the exact message, but that shouldn't stop us from trying. Whenever something bad happens, no matter how trivial, stop and ask, is this a message? And if it is, what might God be telling me? How can I improve, engage in some introspection, some reflection? And I can't help but wonder, did we do that after COVID? After the biggest message we've ever received, all of us, in our lifetimes. I get it. We made all sorts of changes. We're not in the office nearly as often as we used to be. We have all sorts of work-from-home wardrobes now. But did we really change? Did we stop and reflect and introspect? And figure out, how can I improve my relationship with God? How can I improve my relationship with other people? If we did, fantastic. But if we didn't, never too late to start.
speaking.
Paradise. J.M. the A.M. with Shlomo Katz, Leave Tahor, here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. 
at JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Mordechai Shapiro before that with Kidei and with uh, Eina Nachnu. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Don't forget all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including half Hallel, Yalaviyavo, special Torah reading, Mosef, Baruch Inafshi, and whatever your custom calls for. It's Rosh Chodesh tomorrow as well. We'll have two Torahs in our synagogues. One for the regular Torah reading of Tazria Mitzorah, one for Rosh Chodesh. Candlelighting in New York, 721. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 721 is candlelighting in New York. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. And today is day 15 in the counting of the Omer, day number 15. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Tuesday is Israel Memorial Day. Wednesday, we celebrate Israel's 75th birthday. All right here at JM and the AM. Malcolm Honline minutes away. He is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and he will join us coming up this hour right here at JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Rabbi Cash says, how many clops this Shabbos? It should be one, right? <laughs> it's either Yalavievo or Atiyot so it's one clop. <laughs> Although I did forget to confirm that with Rabbi Heber. Maybe I should have. Uh, but I believe it's one club, if I'm not mistaken. want to again wish a mazel tov to the Lovett and Zamek families. Miri and Datuvia Adam are uh, a recently engaged couple. Happened last night. To Baruch and Chaya Lovett and to Mark and Rochelle Zamek. And, of course, the extended Zamek family. A very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Oh, listener Judy Landy asks if the Lovitz are from Far Rockaway because she thinks she knows the Kala's parents. And I believe the answer is yes. I think they are from Far Rockaway. So Mazal Tov. Listener Judy says, uh, have a wonderful Shabbos Nachum. Best from Cleveland. Thank you. I was just discussing Cleveland, Ohio the other day with somebody. about the. We were talking about the Jewish communities of Cleveland and Detroit, some of the top Midwestern Jewish communities in this country. Uh, oh, I think that came up in Israel, actually. We were in Israel, right? We were talking about that. Um, a special hello to listener B and listener Ralph who are in Jerusalem. In fact, Ralph's going to call in next week during our 75th birthday celebration for the state of Israel. He'll tell us about, the, from his perspective, the uh, activities of the Mizrahi movement. Lots of activities next week in Israel. We'll try to stay as, as on top of it as we can here at JM in the AM. And we're sending them the best in Yerushalayim, Irak Kodesh, here on a Friday Erev Shabbos. Rabbi Yudin coming up in an hour. We've got um, Malcolm Honline just a few minutes away. And Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. He is in the United States. He will no doubt be in Israel next week for Memorial Day and for Yom Ha'atzmaut. And he'll join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour this morning right here at JM in the AM. Simcha Liner is, uh, uh, yeah, is next at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM with Yaakov Shweki. Bosh Shabbos is the name of that one here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh morning, two-day Rosh Chodesh ER, today and tomorrow. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Yalaviyavo, half Hallel, special Torah reading, Musaf Baruchinavshi, whatever your custom calls for. Two Torahs tomorrow, of course, one for Tazria Mitzora and one for Rosh Chodesh. Today's day 15, the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Next week, Tuesday, is Israel Memorial Day, Yom HaZikaron. Wednesday is Yom HaTzmaud, Israel's 75th birthday. Make sure to celebrate with us right here at JM and AM between 6 and 9 a.m. I certainly hope we'll be able to convey some of what it's like being in Israel uh, to this worldwide audience. Uh, in Israel, as I mentioned in Yom HaShoah, pretty easy to be enveloped by the theme of the day. Uh, the lack of entertainment venues, the siren, the uh, ceremonies, the people that uh, are taking the day very seriously. Not so much around the world. We try very hard to convey some of that, and uh, hopefully you feel uh, that uh, the proper emotion on each specific day, including this coming Tuesday, Yom Hazikaron, Israel Memorial Day, and of course, including the big celebration, Israel's 75th anniversary this coming Wednesday. Um, our friends at jewishworldreview.com have a uh, whole resource of thousands of articles and interesting items that you should be checking out, especially on these long Shabbatot, an opportunity to print out before Shabbos. All these articles, thousands of them, choose whatever you wish, and then become hopefully more and more educated about the issues of the day. Check out jewishworldreview.com. Again, jewishworldreview.com, and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Welcome back to you. And again, Maslow Appreciate that very much. We should continue to celebrate Smachot for sure. And the Jewish people should continue to celebrate Smachot. Unfortunately, even in the... Uh, incredible high of the holiday of Pesach, uh, the, as you know, the collective Jewish heart, the international collective Jewish heart was certainly in pain uh, with the uh, tragic episode of the um, murder of three members of the D family. We spent a lot of time talking about it, appropriately so. Uh, it certainly made an impact around the world. And Malcolm, aside from your reaction, which of course we'd like to hear, and uh, I always point out to you, and you always point out how it always seems the best and the brightest of our people are taken in these attacks, and I certainly want to hear what you have to say about that, but at the same time, you and I discuss Israel security on a regular basis. Almost weekly, we're bringing up the challenges that the Prime Minister and its leadership has to protect the people of Israel. Is it time to acknowledge that, unfortunately, these types of attacks are simply part of daily Israeli life? Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to just say that uh, there was other good news, that Shmuel and Leor Abak had a son, so I want to give Mazel Tov to them and Tina and, mazel to, tov. <laughs> and to the Garden House and online of Baltimore family engagement. So we have to first uh, put that uh, the good news out. Amen. And talk about unfortunately, and you think about the the D girls and and their mother, but the, they I think they were the fourth set of siblings right. in just a short period of time to be killed, and we cannot accept that that is something Israelis have to live with, and no matter what the world says, and the world seems to have no sympathy. I was listening to one report 
we were traveling is that a man drove a car into a crowd in Tel Aviv, killing an Italian, a man. But if, if uh, somebody who lives in part of biblical Israel, then it's an Israeli settler, extremist, you know, murderer, every adjective would be used. And here the indifference and the uh, reaction, world reaction only encourages further uh, actions. And we have to go to the source and it means getting, stopping the weapons flow means holding to account those who incite, those who aid and abet, those who fund. And that means the PA, which continues to reward terrorists for the, for the, who carry out these assassinations and murders. Uh, and they, they give them lifetime pensions, their families, homes. And, and, you know, we can say we hold back money, the United States, others, Israel from them. But the fact is they have to defund them because the money is fungible. So they take it from other sources. You don't see the economic development. You don't see people being provided with assistance uh, because the money is going um, hundreds of millions to, to the terrorists. And despite the legislation and everything else we have, it doesn't, it, uh, it is not stopped. So the, we know the source, ultimate source of Iran is being behind a lot of the, the incitement and the promulgation of terror. We know that the, that there is a going attempt to link the forces uh, from uh, Hamas and now Hamas in Lebanon, not just in Gaza, with Hezbollah, with the forces in various militia in Syria, with Iraq, with Yemen. And if you look at a map, that essentially gives Iran the ability to encircle and to fire missiles uh, at, at Israel from um, any different sides. And the fact that the Hamas leadership is in Saudi Arabia um, doing the Hajj doing, uh, for, quote, for religious purposes. And so far, they haven't met with MBS or other leadership, as far as we know. Uh, it, that will be an important test. But the very fact that they are being allowed to, to travel internationally and uh, that we see the growing acceptance uh, of, you know, Iran and Syria and Qatar and and all those who support the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, let alone the Houthis, is tells us uh, are all warning signals about changes that are afoot. Well, then I'll I may have to ask the question a bit differently, but but certainly somewhat similar to what I said, w- with all this effort being stepped up against average Israeli citizens, I mean, do we have to expect that this is, in fact, a part of living in Israel? And I know it's unacceptable, I get that, but it, as this effort continues to be ramped up the way you just described from so many different angles, the security of the of the average citizen of Israel becomes more and more a question mark. Well, first of all, we cannot accept that. Second, it, you have to remember that it's a still relatively small number of people who engage in these actions, and the, the vast majority of, of people in, in the Shachim Arabs and in the various territories and under the PA do not engage in it, but they do aid and abet uh, often the, the um, Hamas leadership and the PA leadership uh, should be held to account. And, you know, we've gone for long periods where, where the terrorism was never eliminated, but diminished greatly. Right. And that, in fact, they were able to prevent this year already a couple hundred attacks um, that uh, because of good intelligence, which is part of the answer, but you can't hermetically seal Israel. So there has to be responsibility taken by the PA and their security forces by 
uh, others to be to be held to account for failing to stop and to or or let alone encouraging and using the school systems and when UNRWA and others other agencies of the UN or whatever uh, organization international organizations involved that we have to go to the roots of them and and root them out in Europe and expose them and hold them to account. I see the UK is reviewing all of its grants to organizations in Gaza now because of it. And so are, so is the United Nations agencies and others. You know, they always come after the cows left the barn, but yeah. it's time to hold them all to account. So we cannot say we're just going to live with it and, and it's going to be a, a factor of life. No, we're going to say that they're going to be held to account and the leadership and whoever else is responsible will be held to account. Right. I just wonder, I mean, the prime minister, it's, it's his primary focus, aside from Iran, I'm talking about domestic policies. Primary focus is that I'm going to secure the people of Israel. And it just, I don't know, it, it seems like a big challenge. And when he sits there at the Shiva houses, I, I certainly don't envy him that he has to be in that position. Uh, I can only imagine how he feels knowing that it's almost almost unstoppable to a degree at this point. Uh, but, and, and the original, but you know I love making this point, and I say it every time, and I always like getting your comment about it. I mean, I, some might argue that the reason is because all the idealistic and, uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 and very um, uh, focused people on the future of the Jewish people have all moved to Israel, and therefore we are, you know, we're always, uh, we're always uh, amazed at the type of personalities that were introduced to during these tragedies, but as you heard the uh, the has spayed them, as you heard the uh, uh, the eulogies for the daughters and 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 the wife, and and you saw the disposition of this family, it it, it does it does make you wonder how when these things happen, so often the best of the Jewish people are taken from us by the enemy. And if people knew the story uh, of Rabbi Dean and his family, and they were all going for a Pesach. Um, uh, outing, and Mrs. D's uh, sister is married to a second cousin of mine, uh, and who lives in, in England. And his wife was there with some of his children. They were going with her parents, meaning the common parents right. of Mrs. D and my cousin, to go to uh, Tavaria for Yantiv uh, outing. And the um, and and uh, learning the story about them and and this one the the older daughter was doing a national service and the, but the remarkable stories and his reaction and the strength that he demonstrated yeah. is superhuman yeah and un, uh, not even understandable uh, in my right. opinion but by those of us who are here as opposed to those who are you know I agree. ready to put their lives on the line just by living where they do in Israel, and we have a special connection, as do you, of course, to Efrat, and it's a, you know it's a place that's so beloved, and everybody around the world, you know, feels feels close to the community there. Uh, and as you know, and I said this at the beginning, this was not just their um, their loss; it was really a loss for the entire Jewish world. I'm sure wherever you were for Pesach, people were co- constantly focusing on it throughout Yontif. Constantly, and the other losses, the two brothers, yeah, of course, or the, well, the both sets of brothers, and uh, the little boys. Uh, eight and six year old, whatever. I mean, it's heartbreaking. You can't even think of, and I went to visit the father of the two boys in the hospital. He he was badly hurt. His legs were smashed and I sat with him. And the whole time that I sat with him, he was showing such strength. And I know that afterwards, you know, he cried the whole day. But when I was there the whole time, he, he smiled, he talked to me and we engaged and his wife came and she had just given birth, as you know, to a child. Yeah. 
just a week after the murder of their their two youngest uh, sons. This was the uh, Arab Shabbos attack. This was the Arab Shabbos attack uh, uh, when the car ran right. in. in Jerusalem. Uh, Malcolm Holmline with us, of course. All right, so. Um, uh, bigger picture in terms of what the prime minister has to go through. It's in addition to the security issues. We know that uh, there are other <laughs> there are other issues making waves in Israel. Where now that it's been kicked down the road, uh, we are getting closer and closer to some eventuality, or at least the <laughs> the uh, hope for eventuality regarding the judicial reform. The president of Israel seems hopeful in his public statements about it. Can you give us an update as to what we could expect over the next few weeks regarding that issue? A lot of statements. Um, I mean, there have been some humorous moments like last week when the Labor Party announced that it was walking away from the talks when they weren't even party to the talks. <laughs> but the, <laughs> I mean, everybody is taking political advantage here. And the opposition, I think, thinks they have BB over and the Likud over a barrel, seeing their numbers drop precipitously in the poll. Uh, and so I guess they have no major incentive yet to, to give in. And the demonstrations continue in significant numbers. But the there has to be leadership that steps back and says, what are we doing to Israel, Israel's image abroad, to the, the economic implications, the political implications. And uh, I think that uh, uh, maybe the prime minister engaged in this in the wrong way because the principle of reform was something that was accepted by most of the parties that talked about it in the past. Uh, but uh, maybe he, he t- took on too much, too fast, too harsh. Uh, but uh, now has gave, gave everybody breathing space, and those who said that they want to have time to negotiate, they, they have the time. Uh, I don't think the negotiations are going well yet. Oh boy. Uh, there's still talks, but so far there's been no there, breakthrough, like, and there was a lot of hope that right after Pesach. Right. There's like an unofficial May deadline, right? Like they sort of want to get it done in the next month. Well, they want to uh, bring it to the Knesset's uh, summer session right. and uh, try to act on it there. I, I don't know that there's great demand generally for it, except uh, you know some of the goodniks and others who were pushing for it, and those who want to keep staging and and uh, not only the demonstrations but anti-government uh, protests. Right. Uh, one of the most frightening, maybe it's too strong a word, but it's got to be frightening to you in some way, uh, the uh, American Jewish reaction to all of this. I didn't even realize that there was an effort uh, to keep Bibi away from the GA, which is about to happen in Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can only imagine that uh, you, you weren't recommending, no matter who the prime minister is, you weren't recommending that he be kept away uh, from any uh, major international event like that, especially one that's supposed to unify, uh, to a degree, uh, the Jewish people. The New York Times making a very big deal about American Jewish reaction to all of this as the Israeli government moves one way. What's the American Jewish reaction? What can you tell us? You speak to American Jewish leaders on a daily basis, obviously. Are things that different regarding Israel now than it was? Well, the good news is that latest polling and studies show that 80% of American Jews support Israel and that, you know, you have people who speak out and some who, who sincerely believe this is a, a bad move for Israel, a bad uh, judicially, uh, although a lot of experts from Dershowitz and, and others, all constitutional lawyers who say that it is perfectly uh, in order and that the court, everybody agrees, is, will aggrandize too much power. But that there were there was a different way to have approached this. I think that would have garnered 
greater support and and not led to this the current stage of uh, a public uh, outrage. But I think the public has to say we're going to hold the leadership to account who don't come to an understanding and all come to an agreement. President Herzog is trying, and he's invested a lot of time in uh, in the negotiating uh, uh, process. And the you know the the, the the invitation to the GA, which I didn't know until you just said it. I think you can't punish leadership because you disagree with them. If somebody particularly does something outrageous, yeah, people have a right to who have who they want and who they don't want uh, come to speak to to it. But we have to think about the long term damage that people who care about Israel or may think that they're doing something good have to think about what does the world look at this? Are you feeding the BDS movement every time they say, oh, democracy is in danger. Democracy is not in danger. You can't have all these hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating that is a strengthening of democracy. It's, it's uh, people are not arrested for, for protesting against government, even closing down streets uh, uh, of the government, uh, uh, of the cities um, because uh, they're protesting and, and uh, the government, has not taken steps to to uh, counter it, to limit their freedom of speech. And when you see that they're marching with flags, they're not marching and burning flags, not looting stores, <laughs> they're not doing anything. But but right. the image that they're creating, and it's having an economic impact. When Moody's questions, uh, said not sure about the next rating or things, these are, are real impacts. Or they threaten some of the high tech people. Some of whom are are just grandstanding because they say they're going to take their money out of Israel when their money was never in Israel, and uh, and other things. But, but I don't. It's not that I dismiss it. I take it seriously. Right. And I, but I think that Hachamim, he's Hachamim, that Jewish leaders in America better think about the consequences of the world and when you the words and when you see members of Congress proposing conditioning aid to Israel now and feeling that they have the opportunity as well as the the enemies that we spoke about before thinking that Israel is divided when they say, well, you see reservists are not going to come. It's not true. There hasn't been one exercise canceled because of it. There are some who threaten, you know, but it's, it's a small minority. And so far they have not impacted Israel's security equation. Yeah. A lot of that on Israeli television when I was there uh, watching, they're always highlighting those, I'm assuming few, as you, you just described, who are threatening to leave the army or to you know create movements against the Israeli government. But, but, what do you, but in addition to the explanation and the responsibility that you're saying that American Jewish leadership has to have, I get all that, but the media takes such advantage of this. Listen to this headline and subheadline of the New York Times. Israel's right-wing government has Jewish Democrats at a loss. American lawmakers defending Israel have often fallen back on what they call the country's shared democratic values, but defending the current far-right government is proving a lot harder. I can't imagine, I hope I'm right, I can't imagine that democratic leadership, especially Jewish leadership in Washington, feels that different about Israel than they used to. Is the fact that that Bibi is, you know, continues to progress with this quote-unquote far right-wing government really a big thorn in their side? Well, Kevin McCarthy, who is Republican leader of the House, and Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, are all going to Israel in the coming days. So are large delegations and members of Congress. You see that the, the commitment to aid to Israel and renewing the missile aid on the stump still carried by huge majorities. There are big mounts and there are people who are in Israel who will take advantage of this. Uh, and sometimes because they are urged by elements in the Jewish community or non-Jewish community, but the fringe elements to to join in some of the 
you know, hostile expressions and write letters. As I said, conditioning aid is, is something that crosses the line. And when any Jewish entity uh, joins such an effort, I think they should be held to account. And the but the the um, uh, 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 number one is I, that's why I gave the statistic, which I right. said yesterday, that the vast majority of American Jews still support that we do have a problem amongst young Jews and young people. But it's about everything. It's about America as well. And and I think what we have to do is to reinforce them and to hold to account when people make these outrageous statements about Israel is losing its democracy. Israel is doing. You can be critical. I think people have a right to differ with the government over this decision, that way it was done, even its content. But you got to think about how you're saying it and, and using terminology then picked up by the AOC elements of the world to, to attack Israel. Yeah, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. By the way, just in terms of the government uh, update, so, I mean, as you had indicated, the uh, it, it looked like Gallant was going to be dismissed as Minister of Defense, but he has not been. He is now back in that position or still in that position. And I guess that whole aspect to the shakeup and the media frenzy is now ended. Right? I, I lost the last thing. That the media I, frenzy. I, I assume the media frenzy about, you know, when he was fired. Yeah, when, uh, yeah he's, he, you saw yesterday at the press conference. He made some strong statements. He oh, met with he? Netanyahu, and uh, they supposedly worked it out. So he's being retained. I think that was a smart move. Uh, unfortunately, the the initial threat to, to fire him evoked uh, a much higher grade of, of demonstration and uh, action. Um, even though I don't know that people would have rallied about Gallant under other circumstances. Right. <laughs> they would be able to name him under the circumstances. But, and, and he's a good guy, but, but that is, uh, uh, yeah. but, but it's important. And, and the one thing that Israel needs is stability in its uh, right. leadership and with Halevi and with the others, uh, uh, they, they have good leadership in the military and we have to retain that and stand behind them. Yeah, Gallant, right place, right time, good footnote to history. Um, has this strengthened the opposition? I mean, Gans and Bennett, they're both being painted. Again, you know, when I'm there, I get a chance to really see what's happening on these Israeli talk shows. It, it seems like they're becoming more and more high profile and that all of this is just helping both of them. Well, it certainly has helped. Uh, not so much Bennett, but Gans is the biggest beneficiary. He's the one who's walking away with most of the chips from this. Because he's his uh, part, the latest poll thing gave him 29 seats, which right. makes him the biggest party, and would give the the left the opportunity to form a government. And Likud is down. Um, it, it, but of course, all of this is uh, in flux and will change uh, daily and every week and every month. There's no move right now to to have elections or to try and form a new government. I do think it's detrimental. I think there, there are people who are strong Netanyahu supporters who now raise questions uh, about it. And um, so, yes, the answer is yes, it has helped the opposition a lot, which is why they don't have much of an incentive to reach an accord. Uh, uh, Lapid was here, and the fact that he's not participating in the state events for the 75th, I think, is really regrettable. Uh, I think for everybody, anybody not to, to join in the celebration. Uh, I think uh, Benny Gantz um, has emerged because 
of his style, and and I think he's taken a more constructive approach than some of the leadership. But I think Lapid and others, when they were here, resisted criticism, public criticism. Uh, at least that was the rule. That when Israelis traveled abroad, they didn't criticize right. the government in Israel. And people remember Begin's very strong statements and actions in that regard, yeah. uh, and others. But you know, it seems to be breaking down. Did you see the uh, public pleas by so many, uh, especially families of victims of terror, especially the high-profile families of victims of terror? Did you see their pleas to keep the politics out of the Yom Hazikaron, out of the upcoming Israel Memorial Day um, uh, commemorations and events, and, and I don't want to say celebrations, but the uh, the memorials that are being taken that are right. going to be taking place Monday night and Tuesday? They're just publicly begging everybody to keep the politics out of this. That's how sensitive a situation it is. And even urging the politicians don't come, right? Uh, right. Which is uh, you know pretty dramatic move in, in Israel because these events, uh, like the Yom, uh, Yom Hashoah events, are are nationwide uh, things that everybody feels. You see, when Israel comes to a complete standstill, I, I still find those movies and yeah. the pictures from uh, you know bridges and others where you see sure. everything in Tel Aviv come to an instant standstill. Uh, I mean, literally nothing. It looks like the birds don't even fly at that time. And uh, and Yom Hazikaron, too, because there's hardly an Israeli family that's not touched by it and didn't pay the price when you have more than 23,000 people, young people especially, who gave their lives in defense of the state of Israel, which we too often take for granted. And we everybody's an armchair general and sits back and tells what Israel should do, what Netanyahu should do, and what the opposition should do. Uh, and they forget uh, what the cost is and, and that the enemies out there are still seeking the same end. They still can't accept the fact that a Jewish state exists in their midst. And and still, you know, it goes to that fundamental issue of the right to exist, not, not even about any policy or anything else. Is, is the, do they still demolish the homes of the, of the, uh, of the terrorists? Is that still yeah. policy? And do you think expulsion of the family would be more effective? Do you think it would be more of a deterrent or or not really? Uh, Destroying a house has proven to be a deterrent in society. Uh, uh, But, you know, that they get the money then from the PA to rebuild or buy new houses. And uh, that mitigates the impact uh, of it. And they get a lifetime pension. They get, I think, five times what a PA policeman makes the terrorists in jail. That's why I wonder if they were thrown out, if it would make a bigger difference in a... Uh, it depends where you're going to throw them. I yeah. mean, the countries around. Yeah, that's true. Stuff. By the way, because they could end up in a better financial situation wherever they go to as well. So they can be no, so- but 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 Jordan and others are not. Lebanon, they're not going to accommodate them. Right. They're not going to accept them. Uh, Jordan one time might have, but not today. And as you see, the relationship with Jordan are very strained and. Uh, the king met with the Saudi Arabians as well. So, and and I, I just remind people to keep track of. There's so many shifting plates. If all the meetings that are going on with Assad being uh, perhaps brought back to the Arab League with the the Saudi Iranian, Bahraini Iranian, the UAE Iranian ties, uh, the the uh, talks between Syria and Turkey and Russia, China's involvement throughout the region. I mean, I could go on for a long time about yeah. all of the things that are going on now. There's so many shifting plates. Yeah, there's one you didn't mention, which I'm going to bring up in a second. But first, you mentioned Yom HaShoah before. I just want to acknowledge the 35th anniversary of March of the Living, a program that I'm 
sure, uh, at the beginning had uh, its critics and people wondered about how valuable it would be. And it's proven to be quite remarkable, frankly, for both young and old alike. Uh, and it's gotten some high profile people to join it over the years, including this year for the 35th. So I wanted to mention that. Also, I don't know if you were as, as touched by this as I was. I thought the idea that our friends at Southern NCSY had to bring the cattle car replica to Times Square was just brilliant. I, I thought it was, I thought it's such a, a, an unbelievable opportunity for people to actually, you know, to actually see visit and and touch something that you know uh, represents uh, what it was like to be there at that time uh, in in Jewish Europe of uh, the 1930s and 40s so uh, just uh, kudos to those who really used Yom HaShoah in a positive way this time around I think first of all the March of the Living which I've been involved in almost since its inception and didn't participate this year but have many times in the past is truly one of the most remarkable and positive experiences despite where it takes place. Because when you see the 10,000 young people marching from every part of the world, and the, you see some of the Poles lining the streets there who live nearby, saying, well, where do they come from? What, what, you know, they're still astonished about the survival of the Jews. Uh, and the uh, you know, people, as we lose, the uh, unfortunately, the generation of the survivors and the messages and the uh, firsthand witness that they brought, it's imperative that we find creative ways like what the, the NCSY group did by bringing the cattle car and by Howard's remarks and others there that, uh, you know, we, we many, when you look at the statistics and see that a significant number of young Americans don't know what Auschwitz is, don't know what a concentration camp is, don't believe the number of six million, that we have a tremendous educational job to do within our community because uh, as we distance from it, the young people, young Jews don't know, and uh, and let alone the general population. So it's, a, it's more imperative than ever that we remind them, that we remind them of the, of the message. And it's not because it diminishes anti-Semitism, because I think the studies show that it does not have that impact. It's imperative that we know the history because you, if you yeah. don't know your past, you don't have a future. No question about it. And those who, uh, again, as you just pointed out, those who went about it in a creative way, call it a vote to them. Uh, the, the, the relationship I wanted to discuss that uh, you didn't mention, uh, but you've mentioned in, in a way so many times before, was Iran and Nicaragua. The, the, <laughs> the press were shocked to hear that Iran and Nicaragua were discussing military cooperation. You have, have been describing to us now for years Iran's influence in Latin and South America. Can't be a surprise to you. Uh, what can you tell us about this development? It's just consistent with what, as you said, we've been trying to get American and, and uh, officials, uh, others, to pay attention to. And there are uh, people who have been sounding the clearing call. What Again, if I would say everything that's going on, how we're losing country by country, everybody's going to say, oh, it's all bad news, it's all terrible. It's reality to know how much Iran has gained inside South America through Venezuela, through Nicaragua, through all the Bolivars, the Bolivarian states, and now with the change of Brazil that uh, Lula gets accepted in, in, um, in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, he's uh, a, a more of an ex- certainly the uh, mirror opposite of Bolsonaro when it comes to Israel and other issues. But uh, virtually in all the countries where there were elections, Chile, Costa Rica, et cetera, and Nicaragua, of course, has uh, long been uh, since uh, Noriega's days have been has also have been on this track. Wow. And the and the, the growth of Chinese influence there and Russia, but Chinese in particular, because they're, they have the money and the ability 
as they do with their Road and Belt Initiative. they are growing in, in influence, the fact that they are the conveners of the meeting, because they are also the major uh, between Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran, because they're also the largest oil purchaser from both of them. <laughs> so they have always played all sides and both sides. When you go to Africa today, all you hear is complaints about what China, what China is doing, and and the dependence that they build up when they go to a country. You know, they give them money and everything, but they do it on high interest rates, and then when the people can't pay for it, they take over the ports. They take over vital institutions. Uh, so China's involvement, Iran's involvement, the the public uh, displays and uh, associations, and the fact that you might have visits by the leaders of of Iran to Saudi Arabia, to other countries, um, and the foreign ministers already in UAE and and other countries, Oman certainly Qatar long for a long time. Um, the, 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 I can't even get the words out fast enough to say all the things that are happening. But you're picking up about uh, Nicaragua is very important, but it's only one of many South American countries engaged in this. Unbelievable. Finally, what can you tell us about United States submarine activity in the Gulf? So we have the addition of the USS Florida, which carries 134 tomahawks. I think it's a, Important statement and the fact that the um, the uh, they extended the deployment of the USS George H W Bush aircraft carrier group, uh, which was supposed to return to home base, but they've extended it to remain in the Gulf. Uh, I think it's an important message. It's uh, late, but uh, hopefully we have to send signs that America is not disengaging that uh, America cares, and the fact that, that we have some officials making statements that the Iran-Saudi Arabia thing is a good thing, you know, it reduces tensions and all that, nobody believes that it's a good thing. And American officials have been in Saudi Arabia. I don't think some of those meetings went well. Um, they talk about uh, energy, and then the Saudis announce again uh, that they're cutting production by half a million or a million barrels. Russia's cutting it, and both of them make more money now because the price is higher, even though they're producing less. So I think we're we're not in a great um, in a great place there, and and everybody will take advantage of it. China uses its road and belt initiative to extend its influence, economic influence, to gain energy, to gain political um, position, uh, and meets little opposition. And as we know, we see the threats against uh, our allies in in, the, in Southeast Asia that this is uh, this has broader implications. We remember those who've defended and have given their lives in defense of the state of Israel, and those who've given their lives in terror attacks in the state of Israel and, and really around the world, those who've given their, their lives in terror attacks because they're Jews. Uh, this coming Yom HaZikaron on Tuesday, Memorial Day in Israel, and of course Wednesday we celebrate 75 years of the uh, birthday of the state of Israel. And uh, Malcolm, I hope 25 years from now, you and I will be spending the Shabbat before uh, the Omatzmut number 100 in the holy city of Jerusalem. And in the great synagogue of Jerusalem. <laughs> and we'll even get you in the uh, And I invite everybody to come, that there will be events there this week. And uh, as the president, you, you're all welcome to come, no charge. And uh, every Shabbat and every Chag, it's a wonderful place. So you and I will have seats, you know, like in the corner, 
we can say, oh, look at that, look at that, you know. Pretty amazing. Looking <laughs> forward to say the least. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful job. Be well. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portions of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the parshios of Tazria and Mitzorah, two of the most challenging parshios of the Torah. We'll get back to that, I hope, a little bit later. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Tazria contains seven mitzvos, five positive and two restrictions, and Parshas Mitzorah contains eleven positive mitzvos. I'd like to begin with the opening Rashi of Parshas Sazria. While these two parshios deal with the laws of Tumor and Tara, and specifically a great deal on Tzora'as, on the three types of the I'm pausing for a moment because I'm trying to come up with a good word for tsara'as in English, and there is not, because while the term leprosy is used, there might be some similarities to it, but clearly it is not the contagious disease that is known as leprosy, but the Torah speaks of tsara'as, of the goof, that which appears on the body of an individual, it's a ra'as of the beged on the garment, and it's a ra'as of the bias, as well as the purification process thereof. Please, God, we'll come back to that. The opening Rashi in Pasha Sazria, at first glance, is particularly strange. Omar Reb Simloi, who is found in Medrash Rabbah, teaches the following. Keshem just as the formation and creation of man, Achar, followed man was created after the animals and the birds, so too, Torasso, so too, his laws and the various aspects of his conduct is enumerated after that of the animals. Meaning, in last week's Parsha of Shmini, the Torah taught us the laws of kashros, those animals, those birds, those fish, creeping insects, which are and are not kosher for the Jew to eat. So just as the laws regarding the animals were found last week, 
prior to the laws of man, which is in this week's. And the reason for that is because the animals were created first, and therefore its laws are enumerated first. At first glance, what is Reb Zemloy teaching us that we could not have figured out on our own? If we look in chapter 1 of Bereshus, we're taught that the f- birds were created on the fifth day, the animals were created first on the sixth day, and then later on in the afternoon, Erev Shabbos, on the sixth day, man was created. So what is he teaching? That just as the animals were created first, so too are their laws provided in the Torah first. The Be'er Yosef gives a very fascinating response to what is Reb Zemloy teaching us. And he says the following, Pukhazi, take a look. How do we explain that all other creatures which are created by God, they are either or, tahor, pure, tomei, impure. They are kosher or non-kosher. As the Talmud says, shor ben yomo koroi shor. A ox on the day that it is born has all its character and features, and therefore it is born a kosher animal, and therefore it remains a kosher animal all its life, as opposed to man who is fluctuating. He is either in a state of Tara or in a state of Tuma, but does not stay the same. The animals, the gamal, the camel, is born a non-kosher animal, and he stays that way for the rest of his life. What might be the difference between the animals who are static in that regard, a man who fluctuates? And he gives a very fascinating answer. He quotes the Nefesh HaChayim in Shar Aleph Perig Vav who has a interesting take and understanding of that which the Torah teaches in chapter 1 of creation verse 26. Hashem says what appears to be on the surface the most challenging expression. Hashem says, Naase Adam, let us make man. And take a look at the Rashi there that Hashem, even though we all know Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is one, still he does not hesitate to use the expression, let us make man, for 
the different reasons that Rashi gives. Rav Chaim suggests, what does the term na'aseh, let us make man, mean? That God was talking to all of nature, that which preceded the creation of man, and God said, let us, meaning all of nature, let us contribute to the formation of man, meaning that each and every animal is going to contribute some of their distinguishing characteristic to the formation of man, and therefore man contains a little bit of this, a little bit of that, namely a microcosm of all of creation. So, when the Mishnah tells us at the end of the fifth paragraph, fifth chapter of Avos, that heavy Katzvi, that you shall be as quick, agile as the deer, it doesn't only mean that it's teaching us in terms of our attitude towards serving Hashem. We should do so bizrizus, we should do so with alacrity. But it means, as we know, each and every year when they announce the winner of the marathon in New York City, the 26 plus mile run, and we find people from Africa that are able to do this in an incredible amount of time. This is reflecting that which Reb Chaim Volajna is saying in a very literal sense, both physically and character, spiritually. Man has a little bit of all of nature in him. And therefore, just as he has some of the positive, so too he has some of the negative characteristics of the animals. And therefore, as he has both those characteristics of the animals that are tohor and the animals that are tomei, so too does man fluctuate from Tuma to Tara and Tara to Tuma. A very interesting idea. And I believe that this is especially important for where we find ourselves today. We are in the middle of counting Sphiras Omer. And interestingly, the beginning of the Sphira and the end of Sphira <clears throat> are accompanied by two korbanos. On the second day of Pesach, when we begin the counting of the Omer, we have the korban Omer, which is a measure of barley brought in the Pesach Migdash, and barley, we know, is machal behema. It is the food that a farmer feeds his animals. Seven weeks later, when we complete Sfirasa Omer, 
we have on Shavuos <coughs> the carbon of the Shteyalechem, the two loaves, which comes from wheat, which is the <coughs> food of man. So what the Torah is thereby teaching us is that we are <coughs> from that of the state of the animal to that of man, namely a work in progress. And just as Reb Suloi is teaching, the man has this various characteristics in us, so too we should realize that each and every year we are gradually aiming for a transition within ourselves from the more lowly characteristics of man going to the most noble, ready to accept the Torah. Sfiras Omer, a transition from the nefesh abahama, the animalistic part of man, which we all have somewhat within us, to the most pristine part of man. A word or two, however, about Tzara'as, which comprises the bulk of the two parshios, the identification and the purification thereof. I just want to share with you quickly, number one, the Ramban in chapter 13, Apostle 47, when the Torah speaks about the tzara'as of the garment, and he says that this is for sure nothing less than miraculous, and he says so too is the tzara'as that appears on the bottom as found in chapter 14 in Pasha's Mitzorah, that these phenomena only occur in the land of Israel. Why? Because it's there that Hashem has that special relationship with the Jew. And in essence, as the Gemara explains in Erechim, Tzara'as is Hashem's way of showing the Jew that if and when he steps out of line, and specifically in Eretz Yisrael, Hashem is going to step in and present him with first on the house, second on the garment, and then finally, if he doesn't <coughs> wake up, <coughs> excuse me, and smell the roses, will finally be on his body. But it's happening only in the land of Israel, where there is that special relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klav Yisrael. And I just want to share with you a beautiful Gemara in Sanhedrin 98, whereby Rabbi Abba teaches, You're not going to find a clearer indication of when the end of the exile is based upon the Pasuk in chapter 36, Pasuk 8 in Yecheskel, whereby the Novi says, 
Beatim Hore Yisrael, you, the mountains of Israel, Ankechem Titenu, your branches will shoot forth, Upiriachem Tisu, and it will bear fruit, Liami Yisrael, for my people Israel, Kisavo, for they are about to come. And basically, Rav Abba is teaching that as Hashem promised that when the Jewish people are not in their land, Hashem will, quote, babysit the land. He will make sure, as we find in Parshas Bechukosai, that the enemy will try to make a go of your land, and he will not succeed. But when the Jewish people are coming back to the land, the land will produce and produce, and it will have the productivity awaiting the Jew as he returns. Let us just open our eyes and realize that we are privileged to see today the beginning of this miraculous miracle of Hashem keeping His Word for 1,800 years plus the non-Jew who tried to make a go of the land of Israel could not succeed and just take a look and see the blessing that's being bestowed upon the land of Israel as we speak today. Wow. Shabbat Shalom. J.M. in the A.M. My thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin. Tazria Mitzorah, double Parsha tomorrow, plus, of course, a second Torah for Rosh Chodesh. As we speak with you on a Friday Rosh Chodesh morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is a J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning Rosh Chodesh broadcast, day 15 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today, day number 15. Candle lighting at 721 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, candle lighting 721 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Tarragon is Dean of Overseas Students at Yeshiva Dakotel and Educational Director of the World Mizrahi Movement. In addition to speaking about next week's activities, I call to your attention Rabbi Tarragon is going to be at Congregation Avas Achim in Highland Park, New Jersey this Shabbat, tonight and tomorrow for a Shabbat Eretz Yisrael celebrating the 75th anniversary of the State of Israel. He'll speak tonight at an Onik Shabbos and then in synagogue tomorrow Tomorrow, uh, multiple times, including uh, during and after tefillah and uh, before and after uh, mincha tomorrow as well. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Great to be here, Nachum. You should call for your wonderful work in Mazatov in the new office, new studio. I appreciate that. Todarabah. Thank you so much. Good to have you here for a couple of days in the United States. Do you think you can do in Highland Park what we try to do this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, which is give a taste of what it's like to be enveloped in the spirit of Am Yisrael and all these commemorations and celebrations here in the diaspora? We're definitely going to do our best. You know, I always offer my host to bring a gift, and I asked each of the hosts what I could bring, and they all said, bring a little bit of Avira to Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> bring a little bit of the air from Israel. You know, our ancestors used to treasure the bottle of wine they received from a Shaliach from Israel. Today, of course, we can all go, and we should tune in and remember the beauty of being in Israel, the underlying beauty beneath all the challenges and questions 
and appreciate what God gave us 75 years ago and continues to give us today. By the way, you're speaking multiple times on Shabbat, beginning with tonight, so people have an opportunity to hear you on many uh, many different topics, many different angles regarding the state of Israel. Bezrat Hashem, those of you down in Highland Park, New Jersey, take advantage of Rabbi Tarragon and his presence this Shabbat. Join him tonight and tomorrow as he celebrates Shabbat Eretz Yisrael, 75 years at Avas Achim in Highland Park, New Jersey. All right, let's start with what's happening next week. Uh, as you know, uh, we, I mean, originally I was planning on being there, but I'll be on this end of the world celebrating with everybody. Uh, Mizrahi, and you are the educational director for the World Mizrahi Movement. Mizrahi is bringing together religious Zionist delegates from 48 countries. In fact, off the air, you revealed to me that that's an astounding number, and you'll explain why in a moment. And this is going to be a Mizrahi event, a week-long event that includes being together for Yom HaZikaron, Memorial Day, being together for Yom HaTzmud, Israel's 75th anniversary, Independence Day, and then a very special two-day conference, Congress, together to address very important issues. Tell us from your perspective about next week in Israel. Nachum, great introduction. There are two programs we're running. One is experiential for 48 hours, Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmud, to give people a true taste of what those two powerful days are like in Israel. It'll include ceremonies and tiulin, really special 48 hours. But the unique added second program that begins Wednesday night in New York Hashem is an unprecedented gathering of the Orthodox community, of its representatives, like you said, 48 countries, coming together to build a network that's going to help the international Orthodox community work together as an international community. And the reason the number is special is not only the similarity to the Tzvirus Omer. But the Zionist Congress going on this week in Israel only managed to get representatives from 38 countries. (laughs) So this is larger than what the broader organizations are doing. It's really the Orthodox community coming out in full force. And it's representatives of all kinds of Jewish organizations, shul rabbis, shul lay leaders, principals, educational lay leaders, people running shiduchim, youth delegates, to really bring together all those who work within the community, both professional and lay leaders, so we can all work as a group. For example, we're launching an international shidduch uh, mechanism that will allow shidduchim to be made across the world. Wow. Just to give one example. To think about the power of what we can accomplish when we work together as an international Orthodox community who face the same challenges, we can face them better when we're working together. And so the 1,000 delegates coming to this Congress from the 48 countries, over 250 cities, are creating the frameworks to be able to move things forward as an international Orthodox community. Wow. Uh, I hope and I pray that all the leaders that you cited, those in the world of education, those, of course, who have their own synagogues, uh, those who will lead organizations in this country in different capacities, I hope they'll have the ability to bring all these messages back and uh, and be able to communicate to people how important it is to keep Israel on our minds and to participate in these initiatives going forward. Because uh, just as you said with the Shaduchim, I'm sure technology and the advancements that have been made is a major part of that. We have to take advantage of of what the world is like today in order to advance important causes to our community. You said it perfectly, Nachum. Today, everyone lives in an international global village. That's where we are. So our Jewish needs should also be something we can work together on in that venue. And we're addressing 30 different topics. Every topic that the Jewish community faces, we know this because we got the topics from the constituents. And we're thinking about how we can address them better together. For example, freedom of religion. They're struggling with this in Europe. 
in Brussels. Right. We have issues here in America too. How can we do it better when we talk to each other and work together with our combined resources and abilities? The Shidduch app is basically going to be something where Shadchanim can put in information about people and then there'll be algorithms that process this information from around the world and can help make suggestions and help find, obviously there's the human touch, but as a basis to start thinking about finding each other. So again, when we work together, it brings so much more to the table. It's funny. We always talk about how the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, but you guys are taking it very seriously, discussing every aspect of our future, including family life, which is such an important part of our people's future. So Kolakavod. Uh, by the way, I assume if people go to the Mizrahi website, they can actually see the entire program online, right? I would assume so at this point. Absolutely, and there's a special site for it, Israel 75. That's all you have to put in Israel 75, Mizrahi, you'll find the right place. You know, you mentioned family life and our constituencies. There's two kinds of topics we're addressing. What are the issues the communities are struggling with and the relationship with Israel? What are the issues in Israel? What's our relationship with Israel? Those are the two topics. And of course, it makes sense to do all that in Israel. I want to mention specifically a really wonderful part of the program is the Women's Leadership Forum. There are eight forums working at the program with different constituencies. And my wife, Shani Tarragon, has put together a group of over 100 women from around the world wow. who are going to be addressing defining women's leadership, both within Limit HaTorah for women and in general. And it's so desperately needed to bring the leadership together in a way that the women can work with each other and interface with the other groups there and figuring out how we can build our community together. And so there's two issues. There's the rabbis and the educators and the shaduchim people and the women. And then there's all these people from the different co- countries working with one another. The more we connect with each other and work together, again, the stronger our community of communities is going to be. No question about it. Everybody should check it out. Go to the Mizrahi website. It's a lot there. Take advantage in general of what they're uh, providing to us uh, from Jerusalem uh, on a regular basis. But with this big week coming up, there's a lot to see and certainly a lot of um, uh, interesting aspects to the Congress uh, that you'll want to explore. And we'll have representation at the Congress. There are people uh, we are associated with, of course, who are going to be there. And uh, in addition to Rabbi Tarragon, uh, we hope to hear from them next week as well. Also, Rabbi Tarragon, Oregon. Um, you are, of course, the Dean of Overseas Students at Yeshiva Akotel. It is not a secret to this listenership that that is a yeshiva that's very dear uh, to the heart of the uh, collective Siegel family. And the Yeshiva Akotel Yom Yerushalayim dinner is happening Monday, May the 15th. This is happening in New York at the Moises Safras Center, beginning at 6 p.m. with a dinner and program. Eitan Katz is going to be there with his orchestra to perform. You'll be honoring Mark and Chantal Bel- Belsberg, who, of course, are well known to this audience for their grateful and work. Uh, parent honorees will be Randy and Robin Cohen. Alumni honorees will include the Dubins and the Saxes, and there'll be many honorary guests as well, including the uh, a former legal officer to President Trump, Jason Greenblatt, who we've spoken to on this show, and Ofer Sofer, the uh, Minister of Aliyah and Integration, and Ambassador Ron Dermer, the Minister of Strategic Affairs, is expected to be at the dinner as well. This is all happening on the night of May 15th, Monday night in New York City. A-F-O-Y-H. Uh, I, I assume American Friends of Yeshiva Dakotel, AFOYH.com, AFOYH.com slash annual dash dinner for information about the event. Anything you'd like to add about this significant get together on May 15th, Rabbi Tarragon? You said it wonderfully, as you always do, Nachum, and it's right before Yom Yerushalayim. And right. Yeshiva Dakotel and Yerushalayim are, of course, synonymous. We're celebrating 56 years of both. They excavated the old city after the war. Two months afterwards, the yeshiva opened up Erev Tishabov, 
And ever since then, the two have been connected. I don't know if people know, the campus of Yeshivat Kotel that was set aside by the government is 10% of the Jewish quarter. Um, it's really a landmark. And so we're, we're linked at the hip, Yerushalayim and Yeshivat Kotel, And we do our best to help Jews feel Yerushalayim. And we celebrate both together. I'll give you a little scoop, Nachum. Sure. In a few minutes, in the old city of Yerushalayim, a very special event is taking place. Yeah. Very few people know about it. We all know about the sad tragedy of what happened to the D family in Efrat this week. Sure. Yesterday, the Ds reached out to me and told me that the family wants to come to Yeshivat Kotel tonight for Kabbalah Shabbat and dance down to the Kotel with us as a way of uh, exiting their Shiva period. And of course, we uh, accommodated them, and it's happening in a few minutes in the old city. That's what Yeshivat Kotel in the old city means to the Jewish people. It's the Ir Shechubra Layachdov, the city that brings the Jewish people in happiness and sadness together. And that's why we invite everyone from around the world to know that you can find us here opposite the Kotel as the center for the Jewish people. And that's what we're celebrating in New York at that dinner. And that's why these ministers and legal advisors, the top people are coming out to remind ourselves to appreciate the fact that we have Israel, the fact that we have Yerushalayim and it's two days before Yom Yerushalayim for dinner. It's something we have to remind ourselves of because many of us are too young to appreciate a time when we didn't have it. And I assume that you'll be going from the dinner back to the yeshiva to celebrate with everybody on Yom Yerushalayim itself. Wouldn't miss it for the world. And Nachum, I hope that you'll be able to join us and, and you'll be able to be tashlumen on the trip you weren't able to take now. You know, that's an excellent idea. That really is an excellent idea. And uh, and people shouldn't panic about this week as well. You'll be there in time for Monday night's Yom HaZikaron commemoration. In Mirza Hashem with Belvon. <laughs> <laughs> say the least. Hey, good luck this Shabbat. Send regards to our friends in Highland Park. Thank you very much, and best regards for the wonderful Siegel family you mentioned before, and keep doing the wonderful, wonderful work you do on behalf of Am Yisrael. Yeshakach. Yeshakach to you, and much appreciated, and Shabbat Shalom. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon, tonight and tomorrow at Avis Achim in Highland Park. Uh, as you heard, obviously, he'll join us next week. I just have to shore up the schedule with him uh, with uh, a report or two from what's happening at the Zionist, or I should say at the Mizrahi Congress uh, in Israel. Uh, and, uh, of course, May 15th, we'll be celebrating together here in New York in advance of Yom Yerushalayim uh, with our friends at Yeshiva Dakotel. And a big thank you to Rabbi Tarragon. More coming up. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. By the way, again, I want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov to the uh, brand new Chatan and Kala. And um, got this news last night. It was pretty amazing. want to wish... Miri Lovett and Tuvia Adam Zamek, a special Mazel Tov. Right, Baruch and Chaya Lovett, our very own Rochelle and Mark Zamek and the extended Zamek family, Mazel Tov to everybody. Miri and uh, Tuvia Adam got engaged last night. And again, Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. We should continue to celebrate Smachot together and announce each other's simchas constantly. Um, it was just... Uh, Wonderful piece of news last evening. By the way, where my Tarragon mentioned the D family, and of course they've been the focus of so much of our conversations here this week at JM and the AM. Listener Terry uh, told us about a special initiative, a J-Give campaign that's underway right now for three beautiful initiatives in the holy city of Efrat uh, in memory of the D family. All the information is on my Facebook profile. Just go to Nahum Siegel on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel. You'll see the whole thing there. Terry's one of the ambassadors, hundreds of ambassadors. Um, make sure she reaches her goal. Make sure they reach their goal. 
uh, a great way to to, um, to memorialize the three members of the D family who were tragically taken uh, from us by the enemy uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, again, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel, you'll see the link there um, uh, that Terry uh, posted earlier today. More coming up. It's Friday. It's Rosh Chodesh. It's JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with Borachin Afshi, a classic from our friends at Ruach. And, of course, for those of us who say Borachin Afshi on, uh, on uh, Rosh Chodesh, perfect song for today. Day 15, the counting of the Omer, Erev Shabbos, Tazria Metzora, Erev Shabbos HaChodesh. It's also Rosh Chodesh today. Keep that in mind. Candle lighting 721 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. and the A.M. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Time to say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at AlchemSingle.com and the AlchemSingle Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing day and a great week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of it. Coming up next, amazing and incredible Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler with Saturday Night Siegel. Matis with JM Sunday this coming Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time live here on NSN. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy. And Monday morning will start again, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday, Yom HaZikaron, Wednesday, Yom HaTzmoud. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Until next time, and a wonderful Rosh Chodesh as well. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.